You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers. The Daily Music Business Podcast. Welcome to the Daily Music Business Podcast, bringing you the dumb and dumbest podcast. I'm Matt Pagan here with my beautiful co-host, Keith from Ghost Cult Mag. What's up, And today, we are talking about the one and only Led fucking Zeppelin. So this this call me and Keith were on before we were prepping for this started with a Led Zeppelin sing along because autism. <laughs> um, but, um, what I really wanted to get into and what I wanted what I told Keith I, I think would be a fun topic and I also want to say that when I told Keith I thought today's topic should be Led Zeppelin he fucking lit up it was adorable. Um, but what I want to get into here is how being a part of their community gave everyone in Led Zeppelin the opportunities they had. Right? 100%, man. So there's a couple ways I want to break this down, okay? First and foremost, and this is the big one, right? Why did... What was going on with the guy who formed the band, Jimmy Page, that it was able to immediately get traction? Can you explain this to our dear listeners? Oh, yeah, man. Before Jimmy Page was ever in Led Zeppelin, before Jimmy Page was in the Yardbirds, first on bass and then on guitar, replacing Jeff Beck, who replaced Eric Clapton, Jimmy Page was an incredible and very well-known and highly paid session guitar player. Yeah. And you know how he got into that? Uh, uh, by just being a cool motherfucker and being able exactly, to Exactly, by showing up, right? So he, he's able to go on several U.S. tours with the Yardbirds, who you kind of get the impression, reading, reading what he said at the time, he kind of knew wasn't going to be, like, the thing for him, you know? But he was running all these cool U.S. tours, cause he, and he was building up all these relationships, that he was then able to exploit in Led Zeppelin to make that the biggest band maybe ever, right? Similarly, what was Robert Plant doing that got, what was Robert Plant and the other guys doing that got them into Led Zeppelin? So uh, my hero, John Paul Jones on the bass was also a session musician and played on very notable, great records. He was also, you know, a consummate professional, he used to play keyboards. And he played on a lot of shitty records too. So did he a lot of shitty records. So did, sure, so did That's you. important to realize is they weren't too proud to do stuff. They were just doing stuff for the sake of doing stuff. Indeed. And then, since you asked, good old Pagey and Bonzo, were in Birmingham, Birmingham, England, and they were, well, you know, Bonham was around for a while as a drummer in other bands and, you know, uh, general hanging out at the pub and you know, glued to a bar stool, 
sucking down brews plant was in the booming folky scene, sort of the folk and blues scene as a young rising performer. And he wasn't, he also would just jam with people and came out and played guitar sometimes. People don't know that Robert Plant also played guitar before Led Zeppelin. Yeah. Although he really only got good around Led Zeppelin 3. Very true. Um, but all this to say, that's really, this is really what I want to break down here for, for people, right? Is that like, these weren't people who just got in a room and started doing things. These were people who very deliberately had each been growing their own individual things over time. And Robert Plant probably less than the other three guys, but he was also a lot younger. And he's also perhaps the most naturally talented member of that band. No doubt on that. Um, you know, just because of the, the pipes. And, you know, and I, I just, I just want to point this out because people don't talk about it enough, right? You know, it's, it's, it's the 10-year overnight success that people joke about, right? Because, like, there's video footage of Jimmy Page playing in skiffle bands on TV as a teenager wanting to be a biologist, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and that's something I think people don't talk enough about is like to get something really big. Yeah. You need to be really good, but you need to spend a lot of time building your connections and developing it so that when you have the thing to push, people give a shit, you know, cause Jimmy Page knew, Oh, well, first my band is going to be the new Yardbirds, and we're going to be able to grow from there. You know what I mean? Like, he knew, you know, there was a reason that he, when the band broke up, there was a reason he was like, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll make sure we finish up these Scandinavian tour dates. He didn't need the money. You know, he wanted to be able to elevate. And he already had all the connections if he was able to use that name. And that's really vital right, is understanding you've got to take the time to build up that network. And if you don't build up that network, you're shooting yourself in the foot, you know? How do you, now that we've talked about Led Zeppelin for a little bit, how, Keith, how do you build your network during a pandemic? Nice, good segue. Um, I think the same, I mean, you build your network during a pandemic the way you should the whole rest of the time, uh, which is organically and piece by piece, because there's no quick fix to this. There's no all-in-one, you have to be a Swiss army knife. There's no all-in-one solution to anything. And if you can, you want to be someone else's Swiss army knife. How can, how can I help you is the door opener for everything. What can I do for you with no thought of repayment or quid pro quo? That is how you get somewhere in life, let alone business, let alone the music business. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I think it's um, I, 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 and and I think also being, you know, it's like um, Pitbull says, you know, when you become involved in the music business, but the funny thing is that half these fools don't know music, don't know business, have no business in music. What is this? Um, and Pitbull really succinctly gets at the heart of the matter there right which is essentially that like 
so many people say, oh yeah, I'm here to help you, bro, but don't actually have a way to help you. Do you know what I mean? Right. And I always thought that was really funny because it's like, well, okay, it's cool that you're trying to be nice to me, but like, what are you going to actually do? You know what I mean? So understand your value add and understand the specific ways you can help out people around you. And then you'll see a lot of success because you're building your network, you know? So, so, and it has to be a way that's unique and special. You know, you can't say, Oh, I'm going to go be a guitarist like Jimmy page because Jimmy page is literally the, the top is in every conversation about top 10 guitarists of all time. Literally, you cannot have a conversation about the top 10 guitarists of all time and not have Jimmy page. Right. So you can't be, you can't say that, Oh, I'm, I'm going to be a session guy and use that to build my network. You know? And you can't say, oh, I'm going to be a producer and use that to build my network because that's not really, there's a million fucking people out there being producers who are better than you at it. You know, so which, you know, and you don't have to be the best, but you have to just identify what can you do that's special and how do you share that with the world and how do you connect with people using that? Uh, is, is, is this all basically on point, Keith? Completely on point. Um, I think another thing that, again, is sort of a, an addendum to the how can I help you, what can I do for you kind of mentality. Jimmy Page, you know, that whole band, they were chameleons musically. So one, that was their taste. And I think that was the, the growing taste in all of Western Europe at that time anyway, by evidence of the Stones and the Beatles, etc. But they, they were chameleons they could do anything so they weren't afraid to try things they weren't afraid to experiment yeah it was a new, a new and even if that was mis- experiment was stupid like the crunch <laughs> i saw your tweet I, about this the other day i just yeah i just want to point this out real fast before we go any further because being a chameleon is important but i just i really love that led zeppelin put two of the most perfect songs ever okay um the rain song and uh over the hills and far away and then after that, they put The Crunch, which is just the grossest Led Zeppelin song. Um, but regardless, regardless. Has anybody seen judge. The Confounded Bridge? We're not, we're not, we're not here to judge. Um, but no. go on, just finish on being a chameleon, Keith? Yeah, sure, no problem. Normally when people insult Led Zeppelin, uh, I challenge them to fistfights, but not in this case. Um, I mean, in this case, I'm right. In this case, you are, for the one time in our friendship, you are right. Um, being a chameleon helps give you more opportunities and opens you up to wider audiences. And then when Led Zeppelin did a basically unplugged chill record, everybody thought it was amazing because they had done all this bombastic proto heavy metal blues. When Led Zeppelin did weird progressive rock stuff like ELP and Genesis and Zeppelin and uh, Floyd, people were not freaked out. When John Paul Jones had to kind of take over the band with Bottom for a while when Pan- Plant and Page were having some issues, and the band expanded their sound and went to world music and all kinds of other stuff. People rolled with it. It was cool. They were interested. Full in the Rain is an and, incredible yeah, to be, example And to be fair, that, that, all those elements had been present from the first two albums, which they released within eight, eight months of each other. You know, but they just accentuated some of them more than others, you know, which is fine, you know, which is cool. Uh, you know, but that's, that's part of the thing, I think, is like... You know, 
And then Metallica did this too, not so much on the first record, but really on Ride the Lightning, where they really start to like be like, oh, look, there's some other stuff we can maybe do, you know, so that we're not stuck in this in this little heavy metal box for the rest of our lives. Um, well, you know, and thanks, I thank Cliff for that. Yeah, exactly. But like doing, you know, but 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 doing going a little bit broader, you know, is not a bad thing, and can often, you know widen the horizon, expand what you're capable of doing and just generally be a helpful menschy type of thing to have in your back pocket. Um, so yeah, so those are two really key Led, Ze- Led Zeppelin lessons is make sure that you just go in deep with your network in a way that other people can't. And then furthermore, have broad tastes, listen to unique things, use that as a way to fuel what you're learning about, you know? Because I can tell you, a lot of music nerds all have very broad tastes and are interested in a broad variety of things, you know? I became friends with Mark Urselli because we went out to dinner one night and I knew all about Big Bill Brunzi. And he was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta, this, this kid seems all right. <laughs> um, it was, it was uh, Eric Clapton's hero. Yeah, exactly. You know, but like, if, if you show... You know, if you show that you care and that you understand things and that you're trying to grow, people notice and then they fuck with you and they want to do more with you. So just do that. Be diverse, be broad, be able to bring value. Because when you can do that, when you can be a valuable person to know, that is when you start to win. That is when your band starts to grow. That is when opportunities begin to arrive and mighty forces come to your aid. Did you just quote Almost Famous? I did. I mean, it was technically not an almost fame. It was intertextuality within intertextuality. Yes. yes. Um, but, it was the meta uh, of the meta of the meta. Well, you know, because Basil, Basil King. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. This has been the Daily Music Business Podcast, bringing you Dumb and Dumbest. You have been listening. Are we done yet? Subscribe today to the Daily Music Business Podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Hey, you. Do you have any plans this year? Ha! How's that going? Did you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, and my good friends, Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony, also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at Tuesday. 020-D.com, soundtalentmedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app.